you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority Podcast. And today I'm going to challenge your concept of CEO. So if you run your own business, whether it's solopreneur, small business, where you've got a few freelancers, you are the CEO of your company and you're going to want to listen to today's episode because we have with us Ken Paskins. And I'm excited for this conversation because he has worked with so many different companies over the years, humongous companies that are like profit and loss of half a billion dollars. I mean, he closed a $40 million software software deal just after 9-11. But, you know, for the past seven years, he has worked with many companies from pre-revenue to $200 million as CEO or COO. And you know what? He works in chaotic industries. So I'm excited for today's conversation because not often do you get to talk to someone who has so much experience? So welcome to the show, Ken. Hey, thank you, Kim. I appreciate it. Just one point of clarification. I've ran P&Ls up to the half a billion. I've actually worked for Fortune 100 companies such as Oracle and things of that nature, but I've ran very big de- companies and divisions. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you for the clarification. <laughs> sure. Sure. Ken, this is your first time on the Author to Authority podcast. So one of the things we always do is I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and share a bit more about your business story. And, you know, how did you end up becoming the CEO of the Shift Spot? Yeah. So, boy, it is a story. And it it starts in the cornfields of Indiana, to be quite honest, where I grew up. So I grew up in Indiana and I uh, grew up in an entrepreneur environment and family, if you will. And my father was a third generation of never working for anyone, having his own company. And uh, it, was, it was a big risk taker, right? So he's one of, I'm sure you've ran across him before, but he and my mom were the types that put all their money on Red 32 and roll the dice. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Sometimes, you know, money fell out of the skies and we were fortunate and, you know, kids with their little clip-on ties and eating lobster and all that. And then literally three, four months down the road, competition would move into, he was in the restaurant industry, move in and put him out of business. And then, and my mom would literally come to my door and knock on the door and ask me to hop in the car and go down to the bank and borrow some money so she could pay the phone bill. So I saw, I saw a lot of drama from a kid and tears on you growing up in those ups and downs and those environments, if you will. And, you know, and I got a lot of my work ethic. I say it, and it sounds like a joke, but I, I literally was working in, in the fields at eight or nine. And I know that breaks every child labor law known to man, but, you know, it was different times back then. And 
you wanted to make money and you lived out in the country. <laughs> Your dad had a lot of friends who were farmers. You actually did that. So I did that. But after going through that experience, I wanted to do something different for my family. I wanted, I wanted stability. So I took the corporate route. And as you had stated a couple of things, my, my career really took off, unfortunately, for a lot of people, a lot of struggles after 9-11. You know, 9-11, I was fortunate. And right after that, I closed a $40 million software transaction with a telecom company called Quest Communications. And that got me a lot of recognition and everything. A sales guy back then, but it got me a lot of recognition for with a very large software company I worked with. And they put me in their executive track and they grew me and mentored me. And I was the only bag carrying sales guy in that track. And, you know, and I grew up through the ranks and everything. And like uh, I said, I worked for companies like Oracle. And so I got a lot of great mentoring and leadership training and experience. And, you know, managed some very large teams. And I was very fortunate. And after doing that for some time, and like a lot of guys, my, my, you know, my age back then, I'm even older now, unfortunately, but after traveling, we all, yeah, yeah, we don't get younger, do we? <laughs> but, but after traveling 150,000 miles, I wanted to do something different. So I dropped out of corporate America and I started operating as a fractional CEO, COO. And what that is, is I became a fixer and I started working with business owners below 50 million, 20 million actually and below for the most part that were struggling, struggling in a variety of areas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were hitting some sort of ceiling either from making poor hiring decisions or, you know, not understanding how to, you know, use numbers and, mm -hmm. and financials to drive their business. So I did that and gained a lot of great, you know, insights and everything. Kim, I started seeing all these same movies play over and over again of these, these challenges and quite honestly reminded me of being a kid again and watching my father. And I wanted to make a bigger impact. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, yeah. I'm sure you know this, but literally 38% of all companies, you know, fail after their first year and 50% year five. And 50% of all business owners get a majority of their learning and their education doing them job, the job themselves in their company. Right. So like my father, so my father taught himself finances and leadership and everything. I knew there was a better way. Reach into the choir. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, a lot of business owners make those expensive mistakes. Right. And uh, so, you know, formed a company called the shift spot and, you know, it's a community open to business owners and CEOs, generally companies, 50 employees or less, 10 years of experience and less. And we put together 144 events through the year that surround them with other experts and people like them on their journey in life. And that, that, that's, my, that's my long story and how I got here. <laughs> it's funny, you talk about working as a kid because, you know, like I did the newspaper route and I yeah. think that's almost harder. I mean, I, I had four apartment buildings. I had hundreds of papers I was hauling around, man. Yeah. I think that was almost more child labor than working in a field. man. You say that, but you, well, you were, I was working literally in hundred degree weather. Now the thing that you didn't have that I had, imagine walking in a cornfield and then four inches of mud formed around your feet and then getting cuts by corn all day and coming home, you know, with bugs and insects all over you. So you didn't have that gift. No, that's true. <laughs> 
but I was hauling hundreds of pounds. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. We both we both have paid our dues from that perspective. It sounds like. You know, like I, I think back on that, and even as a kid, I never knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I was yeah. always trying to do things to earn money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I never realized that I had that entrepreneurial spirit until I was in my 20s. Yeah. Now, I knew it as a kid. So I started lawn mowing companies and painting companies, all that, you know, and I was never shy of work and labor and everything, but knew also literally it's it's traumatizing when you're, you know, eight, nine, 10, and you got to loan your mom money to pay yeah. the phone bill, right? You're like... Yeah, I think I'm going to take a different path, at least short term. So, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, my my dad ran into some financial problems when I was a kid. And I remember yeah. one Christmas, he came up to me, you know, my mom had died. So I was the oldest child. So he uh, talked to me a lot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he basically said, Kim, I don't have any money. So him and I agreed upon that, you know, my younger sister would get we'd get a fair amount of gifts. She'd get the yeah. good gifts. And, you yeah. know, we came up with, you know, a bunch of very small, cheap things that, yeah. you know, and I, I kind of put aside Christmas cause you know, dad didn't really have the money. Now he did eventually make, he did make up for it because I love Italian bread and butter. And back <laughs> then with my dad being diabetic, he only ever ate margarine and we didn't get Italian bread in the house. Cause that wasn't really good for him either. Yeah. So you know, a few times a year, you know, we'd go to the grocery store and, you know, or he'd bring it home from work and he'd sneak it into the house. And because if my sister got it, I wouldn't have gotten any. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he'd sneak it in and he'd go take Tara somewhere. And I'd have, by the time he got home, I'd have most of that Italian bread and pre well that whole brick of butter eaten. <laughs> uh, you love good bread. <laughs> you know, it's funny, you know, looking back on the, on the things. I mean, my dad wasn't really an entrepreneur, but his passion for people really impacted me. And I think that has done me so well as an entrepreneur. So I, I love the fact that you talk about the the things that, you know, you got from your parents that you passed, that were passed down to you, but you also recognize some of the weaknesses. Yeah. And I, you know, I think sometimes we we can either vilify or idolize our parents. And I think yeah. it's the balance is coming to that place, recognizing they were people just like us. Exactly. Exactly. It's a little bit of re role reversal as a child, though. I don't know where you where you were, but it's kind of strange. I was often the adult in the family <laughs> and the mature one. I joke with my dad and, and my mom and dad are still alive today and, and healthy, but 80 and 83, and I joke with them and tell them that I, I think they finally grew up two years ago and <laughs> matured. And, and and I swear it's a, it's it's the truth. There are many, many years. It's like someday they're just going to fall flat on their face and I'm going to have to take care of them the rest of their life. And they fortunately made some other bets later on and they turned out well. And fortunately, they, they, they've, uh, they've done well. But, you know, the kids are out of the house now, per se. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ken, I want to let you loose because I know you've come prepared with some teaching and training on, yeah. you know, what do CEOs with 10 less years of experience need to win? So I want to let yeah. you loose to share about that for a bit. Yeah, sure. So there's a variety of things. So, you know, 
When you enter the shift spot, one thing that we do is we assign them to an accountability coach, right, which helps them stay on a track on a weekly basis and which is a, a ton of value. But one other thing that we do is, and like I stated, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And when I operated as a fractional CEO, COO, I came up with this thing called a gap analysis. I'm not a marketing guy. I'm sure a marketing guy would figure out a better name for that, but I'm more of an operational guy. It's a gap analysis. And we provide that to them as well. And basically it's it's one first thing to give them complete insights into some of the things that are holding them back and and getting in their way and you know preventing them from scaling and you know raising a company to the next level per se. And it looks at all aspects of the company from finance to IT mm-hmm. to sales to marketing. And we'll ask them very basic things such as do you have financial controls in place? And some people will say, not only do I not have that, but I'm not sure what that is and what the importance is, right? Or do you have an employee onboarding program? But it goes across a lot of things. It helps crystallize, you know, some of their some of their challenges. We'll go through that process, but then you know the areas that we concentrate on through our community, and it is a community. So mm-hmm. the areas that we concentrate on are leadership and management, right? So we spend time in those areas. Sales and marketing, obviously, revenue solves all problems, right? Human capital. So that means, you know, hiring, firing, people issues, personnel issues. And there's more and more personnel issues, you know, post-COVID than there ever have been before. Finances, right, as well. And then systems and processes. So a lot of owners, what we found, you know, will throw bodies at a problem versus systemizing them or adding process or processes to the equation, but uh, a, a sixth thing that we do that I think is honestly un- very unique in, in comparison to anything else out there is we understand to be the very best CEO and to achieve your vision and to elevate your company, you have to be balanced right now. And, and that means you have to be balanced in your head and your health and your thinking. And so we have a balance equation so that, that we add in there. And every month we have new experts that come in and they'll go through this around all those core areas. But then on a weekly basis, we have these sessions that they'll sit, if you imagine, in a virtual room and other CEOs, and it will be professionally facilitated and we'll help solve some of the biggest problems and or questions such as, hey, I've got a fire in my head of sales and I've never fired a critical person and I'm really nervous about that. How do we do that? We'll help them actually come up with a solution and everything just to keep them on track. But really just focusing on those core things such as keeping help keeping them on accountable and on track, surround them with the right experts, help them solve their problems. And it really crystallizes and begins with that gap analysis of where they're at and where they need to go and what areas they need to focus on so that they can get out of that rat race of working in the business every day and start what I call working on the business. Mm, I like that. I like that would be some practical things so if if uh, you know our ceos are listening to this and they're they're listening to you what where are some practical places that they can start even like right now today to kind of you know move themselves forward yeah Boy, that's that's such a, a broad question and where to even go but one of the movies that i've seen repetitively is the fact that 
literally any and every company I've walked into, I've heard a CEO say, I just don't know why my people don't get it, why they don't understand my vision and why everything has to come to me. And, and work under the impression, not all, right? But a lot of times they'll think that, you know, what I'm saying is clear, right? And what I'll find is we're not setting the right expectations and giving that clarity, right? Mm-hmm. So focus on giving the right expectations to your employees, right? So that you can hold them accountable and realize that it's not a one and done, it's repetitive. So mm-hmm. each human generally needs to hear or see something up to seven times, right? For it to fully sink in. I took a lot of like NLP classes just because I'm, I'm an I like to study mm-hmm. weird stuff all the time. And I learned that some people are audio and some people are visual, right? So if you listen to an employee and they say, I hear you, they're audio. Guess what? Start to tell them things where they hear it. It will sink in. If they say, I see you, they're more visual and, and everything. You need to provide them visual. So, so you know, make sure that you're setting the right expectations. And then, you know, dovetailed into that is why do I always have to do things myself? And I don't care if the company is 50 million to 100 million. I've seen this at all different sizes. If you are a small business and CEO and you grow your company, right? And you go through these very various stages, right? We sometimes, it's a double-edged sword, teach our employees not to think. And I try to always try to paint the analogy that, you know, when you start, you have, you don't have a lot of money and everybody goes to Kim. Kim, Friday, we're going to get pizza for the employees. What do you prefer, Kim? Let's do pepperoni. You make that decision. Then suddenly you're making all the decisions. Now you're a $10 million company. You still continuously make those decisions. Then we surround ourselves with all these employees, right? that are doing things and working hard, but we're finding that they bring all the problems to us. And it's because we've created that and we allow that a lot of times. So mm-hmm. I like to actually, you know, work with people and tell them to flip that back. And and let's say that you're the employee, you come to me in reverse and come ask me, Ken, what kind of pizza do you want? Ken, that's a, that's a great question, right? I trust you. I've empowered you. You're, you're the right person for this role. What do you recommend and why do you recommend it? And at first, they'll they'll step backwards and go, oh, my God, they're actually asking me to come up with an idea. (laughs) I don't even know what to say, right? But teach them that. And that's empowering as well. So I think just those are two very simple things Mm on on, you know, setting the right expectations for the employees so that you can mm-hmm. be, to hold them accountable. And then also teaching them to think better and solve problems so that they're not bringing all those problems to you. Mm-hmm. And it's the old analogy, putting the monkey on your back and making you the center, because that won't end until you flip it and start to teach them. So I think those are two practical things and I can guarantee it probably resonates with 95% of your listeners out there. If they're a CEO just starting and or in a newer company, they're they're going, why can I know what I want? And why does everybody come to me to solve everything? Yeah. Uh, oh, I agree. Yeah. When I hired my first book project manager, mind you, it was an easy hire because she was my best friend. <laughs> and yeah, well, I know. Now, part of hires. <laughs> I, I know. Regretful hires is a better way to put it. <laughs> The thing is, we had already been friends for a very long time, and she had actually owned a company, and I had worked with her. So we already had ground rules in place in terms of, you know, the business and the friendship. And we had always made 
a pact with each other that we'd never let the business ruin our friendship. And so we kept, we kept things very balanced and we also gave each other permission to be very honest with each other. Right. But what I learned was, was that like, I'm a go with the flow person, just throw it at me. I'll figure it out as I go along. Yeah. You know, eventually I'll put some systems in place, but let's just get it done. Yeah. My best friend, on the other hand, we called her the planner princess because she has a planner for everything. Yeah. And she has to plan everything to the nth degree before she starts. Yeah. We made an interesting pair. There's a balance there, though. Challenge of you to come towards the middle and her to, you know, the top executives and CEOs out there are able to make decisions with 80% of the data and information, right? And and not be able to plan everything. You can't have everything, right? But then we have to also plan some, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we worked it out. But it was, it was a learning experience where we both realized that we were on opposite ends. So how do we come to the center? Yeah. So, you know, when I had to do things for her, I made sure that I gave her detailed plans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She learned that every once in a while, I was just going to have to throw something at her and she was going to have to deal with it because it had to be done now. Yeah, yeah. Good <laughs> so I tried not to do it unless I absolutely had to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the one thing that I figured out very early on was I don't need to know how to do everything. Now, to be honest, I'm, I'm a learner. So usually I learn how to do everything in my business before I hand it off to someone else. But I do hand it off to other people. Yeah. Good for you. A lot of struggle with that. A lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. And and what I tell the people is very simple. Here, Here's how I do it. If you need to learn how to do it, here's how I do it. And yeah. then I say to them, and you are welcome to change this any way you want. I really don't care. If you find a better way to do it, as long as it gets done, you can do it whatever way you want, as long as it's morally, ethically, and legally allowed. Yeah. I just want the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. It works well. So, you know, I'll teach them what I know, but they come up with a better system. I'm like, hey, that works for me. As long as I can access it, use it when I need to, go for it. So I love that. Yeah. So one question I have for you. Sure. There, Ken. Yeah. I'm just going to throw something at you. Okay. You know, especially in smaller business. So let's say you have a business that's between, you know, that 100,000 to 500,000. So they've got a bit of growth, but you know, basically the CEO is still doing a lot of the stuff or just starting to bring on, you know, employees or, you know, that kind of situation. What do you see the role of a CEO as at that point in the business? I mean, first of all, if they're just starting to bring the employees on, so what you're asking, your question is, I'm going from a solopreneur to an entrepreneur, right? And, you know, one thing, don't work with solopreneurs, right? Those are completely different challenges and dynamics. You don't have a lot of leadership and management issues in, in that, right? But we do work, obviously, with entrepreneurs and companies that are growing. The key thing that, you know, for that to work and for them to elevate, and it sounds like you and your friend did that well, is identify the, the roles and responsibility and what that clarity is and separate it, right? And figure out if, if I was a person in that role growing my company, what am I good at? Do mm-hmm. I like, do I want to focus on? And then find yourself somebody that is good at the stuff you don't like, wants to work on it and make sure that there is that clear role clarity. 
mm-hmm. and make that for your very first employee and go forward. So a lot of owners typically are, they, they start up on, they're a creator, meaning of a product or a service or a great idea. So, or they're a salesperson, right? That, you know, can sell. Yeah, I can, I can sell my landscaping services better than anybody else. So, if you're the salesperson, you know, go find somebody that's probably, you know, better at the stuff you hate, such as process or systems or something like that. If you're the other guy, you probably hate sales and marketing. Go find out somebody, make it very clear, and then just begin to gradually build the organization. And you eventually want to find yourself where you are in the seat where you're focusing on the things that you, you love doing and you're really, really good at. And eventually that should be, I'm more in a visionary seat and I'm setting long-term direction for my company, right? I'm dealing with strategy. I'm dealing with, you know, our top employee relationship, customer relationship, partner relationships, whatever. And honestly, you're having, you're having fun doing it, but that's, that's how you would want to do it, you know, as you're building up through those thresholds. That is awesome. So Ken, I didn't get a chance to ask you this before the show, because usually I do. Have, are you an author at all? Got a couple, I guess, ebooks. I wouldn't call me a professional author per se. So <laughs> I'm a semi-professional author. Or I, I've written things. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll ask you a different question because usually, if you're sort of a full-scale author, I'll yeah. there's a question I ask, but yeah. I'm going to shift it a little bit. So, sure. so if you were to write a book for your business, huh? what would exactly you write about? Yeah. Know exactly what it'd be because actually I've written the ebook and I want to expand it, but it would be called Scaling with Ease. And I know that a professional writer like you would say, never come with the title first, because actually I have been researching that too. But actually, um, no, no, no. Okay, I would. Publishers may, but see, here's the thing. Okay. The people I work with are thought leaders. Okay. So many times by the time they come to me, they already have an established message. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So sometimes they already know the title because it's part of the branding. Like, I don't know how well you can see it back there, but on the top shelf is selling from the heart, Larry Levine. Okay. That was already his brand. He already knew. So I actually don't mind that at all because those are the type of people I love working with. Okay. So scaling with ease, which I've already written our ebook and our small draft, if you will, and it's on the website, but I, I want to really expand on it. And I want to actually high level walk through just you know, my story and the stories mm-hmm. I've seen and some of the some of the tragic stories in business, some of the great stories in yeah. business, but then the core elements of how you know, any business owner of any size can actually begin to scale their business and, you know, elevate themselves in, in the areas that we've talked about. But we want to do that. And and I'm just not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I know the book. I know what it's going to be about. I got to do. Right. I got to do. <laughs> accountability can again yeah, yeah well i have to hold my account of myself accountable to do it and i have not made that commitment yet so <laughs> it's in the future it's it is in the future <laughs> so ken what i would love to do and how we usually end the show is i would love for you to do two things sure can you share a final thought with us and then if people have really enjoyed this episode and they want to connect with you how can they get a hold of you yeah yeah well t- two things so the final thought would be we're going to offer a free gap analysis to just two of your listeners because honestly, it, it's extensive. It's a it's a five thousand dollar cost. It takes a lot of my time to do it. But if your listeners listen to this and they're hearing some things, I think I'm blending your questions. So feel free to pin me down if I don't answer you directly. 
if they're thinking like my life should be easier this is really hard why do i have to be the guy or gal that has all the answers i started this business i speak with people kim and they're like, i've literally have been asked should i scale backwards i started this thing as a painter a landscaper an seo expert a consultant and now it's painful right if you feel any of those things reach out to us but two of your listeners will go to the shiftspot.com and then forward slash gap and enter the code author to authority. We're going to pick two people and we're going to walk through that gap analysis with them and show them some of the core things that might be preventing them from scaling or, or getting in their way and help them out there. And your other question is, what's your other question? This is a final thought. Final thought. It doesn't have to be as hard as, as it is. Right. And, if you have surround yourself with the right people and do the right things and elevate yourself and begin to delegate upon your staff with clarity, uh, life can and will get easier. But you got to you got to take control of your vision. You got to take care control of your business. And honestly, your one of your questions is how to reach us. The best way to do that is reach out to the shiftspot.com and reach out to us and we can show you and discuss some of those different ways I'm doing that. That is awesome. Thank you so much. Thank this you. has been Ken Paskins and Kim Thompson Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye Thank now. You. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.